0: Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event for her by her presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses' employment and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com slash RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. So I somehow managed to get through half of a book this weekend. Oh, my lanta. What did you read? Well, I've been listening to, but still. It counts. Yeah. No Cure for Being Human. It's a book by Kate Bowler, and it's more of a memoir than anything. She's talking about her personal diagnosis with stage four cancer and her treatment and how it ultimately changed her whole life trajectory and made her question how she was showing up today versus how she'd want to show up if she thought her days were numbered. And it's pretty intense. I would definitely say if you're in the middle of something that's pretty traumatic currently, I'm not sure this is the book that's going to like no. get you out of that because she gets so explicit with the challenges that mm-hmm. I, I think you could easily, if you're an empath, get like yeah. sucked into how hard it was for her. But I think for me it's been interesting to think through, I don't know, if you've been feeling this way lately, but I've talked about on the past in the show of like once you've checked all these life boxes in your life and career, like what does it look like to live a meaningful life and it it can get really frustrating to feel like you always have to live with purpose and impact yeah. and like how do you just live something that's important? How do you just exist? To, you, to just like an exist and have it not be this big deeper meaning all the time. Uh-huh. And I think the thing that was really good for me, I just got to a part where she'd essentially like dropped everything, as you would, to focus on healing and her young child and trying to give him as many memories as possible as she was going through this. But there's a point in the book where she meets with her colleagues and she's a professor who does a ton of research. And to achieve tenure, you have to do a set amount of research and provide a set amount of like, typically it's in most tenure settings, it's like getting published in different like research based Like scientific journals and things. Mm -hmm. I think for her specifically, it might even qualify to just have a book published, not necessarily in a scientific journal format, but to like collect the research into one collection of thoughts. But anyway, she was talking about her research and like all the time and commitment that she had put into building this thing. And she's like, well, if I die this summer, like what's the point of finishing this book, basically? And they were like, why is your career and your life work less important than your relationships? Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to hear them talk about like, you know, if she had been super passionate in other areas, I think they would have pushed her to do those things. But her work is her passion. It is Mm -hmm. her love. Like, It is a huge part of who she is as a person. And they're like, no doubt your kid is important and will continue to be throughout this entire process. But that doesn't mean you have to put aside who you are to Mm -hmm. take care of these other people, especially in these months that can be so tense.
1: A hundred percent. And I think, I mean, I could have a whole conversation about like, and I'm not the first person who has said this, and I definitely am not on any sort of mission to do this. There are people who definitely work on this and publish papers to write books, to talk about this, but the absolute redefining of what it means to be a parent and to be a mother and to be a career person and the unlearning of you not having to be 100% present 100% of the time does not mean anything about the type of parent that you are.
0: Yeah. Well, and... uh, the desperation she had around like trying to be enough for her child who it was young enough at the time that he may end up not having any memory of her when he grows up if she were to pass right and like the crisis that causes for you like I just anyway Mm -hmm. it's been heartbreaking and powerful because it's you know I think so often you see these stories about people going through immense challenges and coming out on the other side, a better person. And she went through this immense challenge and she's come out on the other side, more aware that she doesn't have to try so hard in every area of her life and like be more human and like be more herself and like not make excuses for what she likes or doesn't like or where she wants to put her time or not. And that it doesn't have to all be about, Finishing a bucket list or making memories for it to be important work. Yeah. Yeah. So, well,
1: on a lighter note, on a lighter note, I am seven books ahead of my 60 book goal for books to read this year. And I've read 15 books so far this year. It's like kind of late middle of February. And I have previously recommended a series called Zodiac Academy. And while I still definitely recommend that series, I had to take a long break from it because it started to get what one week break. No. Well, I guess it has been only a week. Yeah, it has been a week, but (laughs) (laughs) that is long for me. I read literally every single day. It got so depressing. It got so depressing because, and I warned you all when I first recommended this series that if an unfinished series isn't your style, don't start it, but it is still unfinished. And so, which means every book has things that aren't resolved and the authors are very much continuing this series. So there's nothing happy happening right now. And so ultimately, so I've been reading them on Kindle. So I have Kindle Unlimited, which means that there are a significant amount of books for free, quote unquote, because I pay a membership for Kindle Unlimited, but there are books like for free that I can read with it, my membership. And this series is one of them. And so I was like, great, I'll read them for free. And if I love them, I will buy them because I know I will want to reread them and maybe Penny can read them one day or whatever. I just like really like having books on hand. So I started reading them on Kindle. So ultimately what I decided to do, I'm on book six. I'm like 15% through book six and had to put it down for a week. I bought the physical of book six. It will be here on Thursday because what I want to do is skim a chapter. And if it's like too much fighting or bullying or just like devastation, I'm just not going to read it. My eyeballs are going to get gist of what it is and I'm not going to read it. We're going to go to a chapter because I, what I love and no one has done this yet. So maybe I can do this, but I'll have to reread them. I do not mind spoilers in a book, especially if it's a book that has like a lot of like drama going on and like death maybe or whatever, like this one does. I don't mind spoilers, but What I wanted and what I Googled was a chapter-by-chapter breakdown of this series because I just wanted to skim a couple of sentences per chapter, and I wanted to basically read it, but just like the very Cliff Notes version. And that exists for a lot of books out there, but not this series. And so... Maybe I'll do that. If you have done that, please send me the link and I will read your chapter by chapter breakdown. But I just, I want to get it done in like 30 minutes and not the like 14 hours that it's going to take me. So I think having a physical copy instead of having to flip through my Kindle will be a lot easier for me to do that. So we'll see. I'll let you guys know. Hopefully I can finish book six this weekend because I'm ready to just move on (laughs) and not be thinking about it. Because if I wait too long, I won't remember what happened and I'll have to reread and I don't want to have to do that.
0: (laughs) No, I I get that. I don't want you to have to do that either. For those of you who heard Emily's goal and gasped a little, just (laughs) know my annual goal is only 12 books. And I only (laughs) did 10 last year and 10 was a shit ton for me. So like, don't, feel like you have to rise to the occasion. No, no. There's no rising period. You can just read when you want to read read. one
1: book this year. I would love that for you. Listen to a book this year. I would love that for you. Have someone read you
0: a book. I don't give a shit. And I, as an aside, I know Emily and I are on the same page here, but just so we get super clear, we are all about how we can make or how people can make reading more accessible. And it's so frustrating to me how some people are like, it only counts if you read a physical book. No. Or like, and it's like some people actually absorb more information if they hear it. Yeah. Versus yeah. looking well, at a page. If you're one of those people who say that, it's ableist of
1: you to say that. So stop I saying agree. that. So stop <laughs> saying that. Stop saying that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think our listeners say that. They're like, what do you know? know.
0: <laughs> They're like, I couldn't agree more. But hmm. also, even if you know that that's untrue, if you still like give yourself crap about listening versus no. picking up a physical book, stop. Stop it. Like, if that's the one you have time for right now, well, whatever. Which why I'm
1: wondering why you asked to borrow one of my books, and why don't you just get it on Audible?
0: I might. I think I you know. should. You think I should? I mean, that's how you consume it best, right? Not necessarily. It depends on what it is. I either binge read all at once, or I listen over time. So, like, yeah. I might listen 30 minutes a day for a week and finish a book, or yeah. I would physically read an entire book on, like, a Saturday but like, I don't, well, the it ones just want to de- borrow for me.
1: You cannot finish in a day. They are much longer than what you've been reading.
0: Okay. Then I probably maybe starting with an audible book is good. I don't know. I still, even though I know I still give myself shit about it. So well, well see.
1: and I mean, I honestly think you should just get it because I've never listened to them on audio. And so if we get, we have like our don't we share an audio Audible account? It's like our work. Yeah, and it,
0: Well, and it wasn't even on purpose because I signed up for Audible, but we share an Amazon. And so when oh, right. I signed up, it was like, oh, this is you have to sign in with Amazon. I like, here. Yeah, so yeah, Emily's Amazon. And then I was like, oh, there's already books in here. Whatever. I just whatever. was like, just I don't, I account. could try to
1: fix this or whatever. No, I think you use some Audible credits because I wouldn't be mad about that either. Because I would love to listen to it.
0: Okay. Well, then you can just listen to it after I'm done. Yeah. There's yeah you a let me know when it. you're done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you need yeah. any book recs, don't hesitate to slide into my DMs. The reason why I fly through books so quickly. One, I am a very fast reader. I read all of the time. And I want to, I have the skill of like reading the first and the last of the sentence and my brain can just connect the dots, but I read a lot of romance. And so they're a lot shorter, like a lot shorter. And so I've, I have fit in three books in between in this last week that I've taken a break off of Zodiac Academy and I've read three books. And so it's fine. It's good. It's all right. normal. It's fine.
0: <laughs> well, switching gears to the less That's not less creative. I think math can be creative. Yeah. (laughs) Well, although we were talking about creative accounting, and and Brian was like, "You literally can't say that. (laughs) You can't say that." And we're like, "Yeah, but that's not what we mean. We're not talking about cooking the books here." And she's like, like,
1: "But that's just don't don't, do that. Just don't. Just don't say it." Okay,
0: fine. Okay, fine. All right.
1: No, today I want to talk about. I want to talk about profit and I want to talk about our relationship with profit as it changes when we're growing our businesses or not even growing, like literally as our businesses age, honestly, like that's the root of it because your business can age while not growing and it can still impact profit and profit can be different. And so I want to talk about from the the majority of our listeners, y'all are service-based business owners. You're typically a one-woman show. Maybe you have a part-time employee, a contractor or two, and you probably, in your first few years, have seen significantly high profits, and then you're entering year three, four, five, and beyond, and you either want to pay yourself more, hire more to get some stuff off your plate, or have other expenses like a new website or a bookkeeper or whatever it might be. And you're wanting to kind of reallocate funds. And you are so, so married to your high profits that you will then create goals for yourself to do anything you can to maintain those high profits while being able to spend more money.
0: I just really want people to give themselves a bit of a break here. So let's talk about, first of all, what is profit? And then, yeah, specifically, how does that relationship change over time? So, profit is your total income, all the money that comes in the door, all the cash. We're talking, I like to talk in a cash based system accrual. I would not recommend, unless you're over 10 million and you have bigger contracts going in and around, but unless I'm going to say 99.999% of you should be in an accrual accounting Mm -hmm. system. So it's all the income you receive minus all of your expenses in the same set period. So if we're talking about a monthly basis, it would be all your income in one month minus all of your expenses in one month equals your profit for that month. Mm -hmm. Now, I personally prefer to look at profit before, when we started, it was before we paid ourselves anything. At this point, I look at profit after we've paid ourselves payroll, but before we've paid ourselves distributions. Yeah. And there's a variety of reasons why that has shifted for me over time. But for y'all, it's income minus expenses before you've paid yourself is Mm -hmm. your profit that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's, you know, can be typical. I'm not saying it has to be this way, but it can be typical for a one-on-one service-based business owner to be seeing profits as high as 90%, 80%, 85, 90. Like we're seeing those profit margins in a lot of business owners that we're working with. And they come to us and they're like, I literally do not know how to then make more money because this is already hard or it's already got me at my capacity and I'm tired. And I can't imagine turning the knob up to make more like themselves personally make more because they're so headstrong on keeping those same 85, 90% profits. And so we have to do a little bit of mindset work to disconnect our self-worth with our high profits, because those things are not the same. And I like (laughs) the quickest tactic I can give you to start to slowly over time, disconnect those things is just do some Googling about the profit margins that other industries see that Mm -hmm. other businesses see. I remember when we were going through this ourselves a couple of years ago, we would kind of, you know, beat ourselves up about, Profits dipping and going back up and dipping and going back up. And we're like, why can't we just like maintain this? Like a dream world. I'd want this number and I'd want it to be that over every single month, every single year, over and over again forever. And so Abby did some digging. I think you pulled up. The businesses on Shark Tank, like what are their profit margins? And then businesses in like the restaurant industry, what are their profit margins? Or other retail spaces, not that they're like ours at all, they obviously have a lot more expenses, but it just gave you some more awareness about how it could be. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you're really happy with your 30%, your 40%. (laughs) Yeah,
0: because, you know, a lot of businesses out there, They're operating on 15% or less profit margin because expenses are high. Like things like running a restaurant, it's not just paying all of your staff, but also you have your location and rent and all of the tables and chairs and decor and menu costs and then the kitchen and all the equipment in the kitchen, which some you may have bought out right but some you're renting and then all of the food and then like god forbid you have something that you do that's super special like i know people who've spent a hundred thousand dollars on, on oven. an oven and yeah. oven one one yeah. oven
1: <laughs> and yeah. it's
0: like how do you ever crawl out of that and not to say that you can't you absolutely can there's people who are doing well in these other industries but it's also a big indication as to why you see higher failure rates in other industries because their overhead is so high. Yeah. One of the benefits of being in a service based industry is your primary cost is your labor, and it still needs to shift over time. And so, you know, a lot of it comes down to are you charging enough? And we've spent a ton of time talking about that. But the thing I want you to start to understand is there is a juxtaposition between the business making more and you making more because the bigger the business is, the more likely the less percentage of profit you will retain at a higher size because you're going to need more support, more people, more software Mm. to maintain a business at a larger scale. And so, if the profit margin goes down as you scale the size of the company, you will then need much more income to make a little bit more profit. And one of the things that I saw happen for one of our clients recently is she just looked at me and she's like, wait, so you're telling me I could have a business that brings in potentially half as much income, but I make the same dollars after expenses at like two very, very different size companies. And I said, absolutely. 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 After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash boss to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted, third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss project. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Well and I'll put this caveat out there. If you feel confident and comfortable and safe with your high profit margins, but you're not paying yourself a reasonable salary, then your high profit margins don't mean shit to me.
0: Really though, because if you're not paying yourself, there's other issues at play here. Like I know some of you don't necessarily need it. And like, for those of you in that situation, like what a luxury to be able to run a business that's really above and beyond your needs. Like, I love that for you. However, it's not a sustainable business if you as the owner can't earn a living from it. And so at the end of the day, it's usually a job's worth of hours to run, if not more than a typical job. And you should be paid appropriately to do that thing.
1: Well, and because I will tell you, like, you can only not pay yourself a reasonable salary for so long. If you are wanting to expand your team, especially when you want to hire employees, like, you literally have to pay yourself a reasonable salary because of how taxes work and reporting works. So...
0: Well, you have to, or you could be audited and get in deep doo-doo by the IRS. So... (laughs) Deep (laughs) doo-doo. You don't want to make the IRS mad. Well, so my question to you, because I know how I feel about it and would be happy to share, but why then? Like, Why grow a business (laughs) to this size with with this level of complication and a lower profit margin when you could potentially make the same amount? with a smaller business at a higher profit margin, what is the benefit to you that's above and beyond the dollars? For me, in the way that
1: we have grown our business, because we have a team, so therefore we see lower profit margins because it is expensive to run and maintain this company that we've built. For me... I'm going to use the wrong words and I'm not trying to sit here and make anyone feel bad for what your version is, okay? This is literally speaking for myself and my perspective. I like to sit in a more true entrepreneur CEO seat rather than the creative director or lead of whatever service that I'm providing within my company. And I want to be able to have a profitable, yes, but sustainable on its own company one day so that I can either sell it or open another company or go into business in a completely different industry and do something else and have that same kind of high-level CEO founder seat in another space while also getting income from this thing. And in my experience and opinion... I would not be able to eventually, like I'm not doing that right now, but I would not be able to eventually be able to do that if it was just you and I and one contractor, for example. We would be needing to be so knee deep in the client deliverables and process and market, like everything we would need to be doing ourselves. And I don't want to do that because I want my focus to be able to be on other projects for me.
0: Yeah. So, for me, I definitely see the appeal at this point of running a business that is seemingly a bit less complicated at a smaller scale. I absolutely see the benefit. And I think if I hadn't met Emily, I probably would have scaled to a point about this size and then retracted on purpose for my own sanity. But because I have such quality support, in this business, both from Emily as a partner, but also from the fucking amazing team we have in place. I love being able to be a true leader and not that you're not a leader at other stages. That's not true. You are a leader at different stages, but I have gotten to grow so much personally in the knowledge in completely different areas, both business, but also of management, of human psychology, of truly caring for people as whole people. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity if we hadn't have scaled to this stage. I also know that enough has happened to me to not be ignorant to the fact that the likelihood of something else happening to me later, even if it's smaller, is quite high. Right. I would like to think that I'm not going to go through a giant medical emergency that takes years to recover from. I would I really, really hope one is enough for a lifetime. But I know that things will happen to family members. I know there'll be other life emergencies that come up. And to have the backbone in place that supports me so that I can continue to draw an income, even if I can't be fully present, is beyond words. Because in a traditional employment setting, I've talked about in the past that if I had gone through the car accident and been traditionally employed, that I I would have definitely gone on temporary disability, but the likelihood yeah. of me going on... More permanent levels of disability to just make income work for me would have been quite high. And what it would have done to me as a person and my ego, which I am aware that I'm also protecting through a lot of this, it would be a lot. And so, like, I know that this is a more supportive environment for who I am as a person, but also the likelihood of things that will come up for me in my lifetime. Yeah. And to me, is worth it.
1: Yes. Quite literally the only lever that we have to pull to drastically see higher profits, but get the similar, the same support that we have right now is that if we didn't have two CEOs and we could have another employee who did similar tasks to one of us, but that would quite literally be the only thing. And if y'all have even thought for two seconds about a partnership, please listen to our episodes that we released before this. It's a two-part episode about partnership, the things that we like and the things that we don't like. Um, but quite literally, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would have to, I mean, it would be come hell or high water to try to find someone who could even do some of the things that she does in this company. There were the, like It would be drastically different. And that is absolutely the only way where I could have, or other, either one of us could have a large team with a lot of support and a fuck ton
0: more profit. Well, yeah. And I can't be ignorant to the fact that even if that somehow magically came to be, which at this point, I, I don't have any idea how that would happen. Cause I don't want to build that for myself again, no. by myself. Even if that were true, if the thing came up for me and I truly did have to step away, I wouldn't be able to have as long of a leash and be as far removed as I do because Emily is here. Yeah. Like, even if I had an amazing employee who did this, that, and the other thing, like Uh my involvement would be much more vital to the ongoing organization versus in this arrangement, not that Emily and I both aren't vital, we absolutely make more money when we're both working, uh, absolutely, <laughs> especially working in full capacity.
1: <laughs> Guys,
0: what if this is the episode that she fires me on air? <laughs> Stop! <laughs> I would be dumb to think that it would operate the same without having that partner in place. But th- we're not talking about partners today. We're talking about profit, and so. I think the thing I can urge you to consider is like, what is your lifestyle worth to you? Because you can make more money and do a lot more work or you can do less work, not necessarily a lot less, less work, but different kind of work and, and make similar money or more. It will take more time to scale up, like pulling the lever. It's more effort to jump and to like leap forward, but it's also less, the dips are less significant because they don't always completely wipe you out. Whereas like, I remember when Emily and I started, we didn't have a traditional Pay arrangement. Like, we literally got paid when clients paid us. And cut it in half, send it to each of us. Right. It cut it in half and then cut it in half again. Because we basically got 25 cents of every dollar that came into the business. And then the other 50% went to operations. And that worked for a hot minute. But like, imagine months where you made $2,000 and then a month you made $30,000 how that impacts you personally is significantly different versus like we have built the business to the point now where we both have a reliable paycheck and our distributions still vary, but there's still like, to an extent, there's a predictable there's amount like a consistent of consistent base. And then it can yeah. fluctuate based on performance or not performance, yeah. but
1: revenue. Talk to me about the different or like the mindset or perception or understanding around an average profit from the year versus on a month to month and how you could look at them differently.
0: Okay. So I think part of this depends on where you're at and where you've been and how business has been going for you. But if I were to make some generalizations, I've seen a lot of variation for everyone and it, that the variation doesn't go away as you scale like I think it's easy to think "Ooh, you're always like once you hit this point then like your base is always this and that's not necessarily true regardless of industry you're more likely to have peak times of the year and slower times of the year and your income can go up and down and thus you also need to have a security net like we we talked to our clients about building 3 to 6 months of operating expenses and i and you know to start it should probably just be everyone's salaries but above and beyond that you should get to the point where you have full opex times 3 and then eventually i mean i don't really know anyone that has full opex times 6 if you do you're probably not paying yourself enough <laughs> yeah. but that shift it doesn't always happen immediately where it becomes so much more stable. You're you're likely still going to have ups and downs in the year and profit may also follow those ups and downs. It's easy to think, "Oh, you should have a consistent profit margin that you keep every single month." But as you build your team, you may have a very stable operating expense that doesn't shift, but your income varies. And so some months, you may make 20 or 30% in profit. And other months, you may lose money. And that can be a really challenging thing to battle with your brain. But for me, I have really tried to reframe how I look at money and have it be less about a vanity metric and what the dollars end up saying at the end of the year, and more about how has my lifestyle shifted and am I consistently funding the lifestyle I want? Because in many ways, I've made sometimes big leaps, sometimes smaller jumps of how my personal life has shifted and changed. But aside from when Jared left his job, like, I haven't had to make shifts backwards. I've been able to consistently keep and fund the same lifestyle choices. We definitely like moved our budget down a little bit when Jared left his architecture position because we went from a two household income to one household income. And then that stayed that way for a while. But we realigned and got everything working and then have been able to kind of keep that consistent. But it doesn't make it less good or bad if your profit right. comes in all one part of the year like we have right. one client who i i know it's a it's super challenging but like she probably makes 80% of her income in four months of the year and yeah. to plan for that financially can be tough okay yep. i'm not denying yep. that planning for that can be tough right it's wrapping your head around the fact that like okay Take what you make in three or four
1: months and spread that out over twelve months, and you've got to figure out how to save and then like spend accordingly in the months where income and revenue is lower. But it's not that you're not making money,
0: like right? Because we've also had clients who paid themselves really heavily, like the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, they paid themselves really heavily up front, and then they got really frustrated about they had a lower income month and then they, they had to cut their pay. And I'm like, you're in a three hundred, three $350,000 company and you've already drawn $75,000 out of the business. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying you can't make more, but like to have a month, you know, if you're in September and you've already drawn that much out of the company, right. You only have 220 of the predictable 350. Like, that's almost half of what's come in so far. So, you may have to slow down. And that doesn't also make you any less of a business owner just because you took months where you didn't make money. I think that the misconception that people have is that they need to always be making more and they always need to be growing. And the thing is, Y'all aren't operating typically with expendable capital. And so you feel the bumps and ups and downs so much harder than a startup that has $2 million worth of runway. Yeah. You're just not in the same business. I'll take some free money. I always (laughs) joke about that with Brian because I'm just like, I want some
1: capital. I, I want some free money. And Brian always comes back and he's like, it's never free. You would then have so many people's opinions about how you should be running your business. And the last thing you want is to be told what to do. And I was like, you don't know anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was like, and (laughs) point. Yeah, it's definitely not the same. And uh, you know, reporting other people would be a wildly different game too. I definitely would prefer to keep the shares in my business than give them away. And Pay them out accordingly.
1: Because we also know, like, we know what we're capable of and the growth that we're capable of and the shifts that we're capable of. And I know, especially at this point, we've put so, so many blood, sweat, and tears into this thing. Lots of tears, lots of sweat. (laughs) And I wouldn't want to give that up to anyone else.
0: Yeah. Well, not that I think there's any sort of blanket advice, because I truly think everyone has unique situations that need to be considered. But to give you an idea of what we view as typically a bit more comfortable, a bit more supported profit margins so that you have ideas of what to work towards. Like Emily mentioned, if you're an individual, you may have had years where it was 90%, 80%, 75%. If you want to stay as the primary person in your business and maybe have one contractor or one employee, you getting to about 50% profit margins, I think you're going to find you have a lot more comfort in your business because you're going to have better software systems. You're going to make better investments in outside resources and help even if it's for one-time projects. I think it's just going to be a lot easier to maintain long-term. And then similarly, if you start building a team, I would say beyond that one additional person, if you have two or more employees, you operating with about a 30% profit margin is an excellent goal for service-based business owners, reinvesting approximately 30% of your overall income in team. And keeping in mind, you will likely have to come up with an average that you're basing that off of and your OPEX will stay fairly flat and consistent while your income may vary and thus your profit may vary. But you're going to find that that's a much easier range to shoot for because if you try to add support but keep your profit margins really high... What's likely to happen is you're going to end up with really frustrated customers who are not properly supported and taken care of in in the grand
1: scheme of things. And you're going to burn out your team. So don't do that. But forecasting and budgeting and mapping out a growth and scale plan for your business is something we do for our executive coaching clients. So if you are ready to scale into more of an agency model or scale past a contractor or two into part time or full time employees and you want to talk out the nitty gritty and what will be needed within your pricing, your deliverables, your scope your own capacity in order to make that happen. We would love to chat with you about that. So, slide into our DMs or head over to bossproject.com/waitlist and book a time with Abigail and get chatted about how we can help work together.
0: Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the Co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at Creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creative shop C O O P dot com.